Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. Second podcast episode that I've done from the capital of Sicily in Palermo. I had no idea it was going to be so warm. It's the end of October now and it's 26 degrees and next week it's going to be 27 degrees. That means we're going to be pushing into November and the forecast is still 27 degrees. Sometimes you only realise how amazing the weather is, especially in Southern Europe compared to the UK when you're actually there. I just, I did not realise the warm weather would stay this long down in the south of Europe. I know that in December it can get down to maybe 14 degrees, maybe, maybe even colder than that, but I just did not know the good weather would last so long. Right, let's get on it. I think I've found, and I really mean this, my dream motorcycle. You'll know that for quite a while now, I've, I've had a hankering kind of lust over a big American cruiser. Ridiculously big, ridiculously expensive. Let me just type this in. It's, I often go in phases, either Harley Davidson or Indian. Now it's an Indian. And probably the most out there bike I've ever tried that made me feel the most amazing was the Indian Chief Vintage Dark Horse. It's a little bit of a mouthful. But then I saw, I don't know if it came out just, just last year, fairly recent, there is the Indian Springfield Dark Horse. Let me see if I can get this bike up because I think it's perfect. I now know that if I get a cruiser, I would love to get a cruiser with hard panniers. I think they're called baggers. Let's have a look. Yes, they are baggers. And I click on the Indian Springfield Dark Horse. Just a huge bike. No proper front fairing at all. Completely stripped back. Really old school, swept back, huge front mudguard. And as standard, two hard panniers. And I think it is now, hand on heart, my dream motorcycle. If money were no object, I'd be going to a dealer right now and buying it. The problem, it's £22,895. Some Americans let me know, is it a lot cheaper in the US? I'd be fascinated to know. In England, it's £22,895. To be fair, and this is impressive, I'm just scrolling through now, this is unusual. It's got a five-year warranty. That's car levels of warranty. That's very, very impressive. So two-year warranty plus three years extended limited warranty on the engine, transmission, and electrics. Oh, I'm tempted by this, really tempted. The problem is, and the truth is, I would need to get this on finance. That's the honest truth. And if I look at a, a loan calculation, Calculator, Loan Calculator UK. Let's have a look at this. What is the reality? Okay, here we go. So it's just my computer's adapting, realizing I'm in the uh, in Italy, so just having to adapt. Okay, I want to borrow twenty three thousand pounds. I I don't actually have a deposit. This needs to come all from a loan. How long for? Five years, eight years, 
Shall I try eight years? Is that too much? Let's try this. Eight years, and it will be, I think I'll get a loan for about 5%. 5%, eight years, £23,000. The total amount repayable over eight years would be £27,800. And that's on a fairly good APR. So that means I'll be paying back £4,800 in interest. £4,800 in interest over eight years. That's, that's about £500 a year in interest. It's actually quite painful if you look at it like that. Really quite painful. And that's 289, near enough, 290. It's 290 pounds a month for eight years. Now I'm genuinely scared. I think I may be a bit scared off actually, just looking at that. The interest repayments or the interest, the additional interest I have to pay, almost 5,000 pounds, that's scary in itself. But monthly repayments of almost 300 a month for eight years. Oh, that may be a step too far for me. It's my dream bike though. Okay, I'm going to do something now. This is my dream bike, but it's so much money. I think it may cause me too much stress on monthly repayments. So what can I get? Let's see what I can get here. I'm on Auto Trader now and I'll type in, it's almost painful. This is why I love bikes. You know, I was having a conversation with Monica. Monica said to me, Freddie, look, why are you looking at used bikes? Go and get that Land Rover Defender. Go on, go and get it. And she said, look, your, your dream bike, the Indian, it's the same price as this used Land Rover. So why not get a Land Rover? You need a, a cool car. Go and get a, a Land Rover. And I said, yes, but Monica, this is why I love bikes so much. Because I can get literally my dream motorcycle, brand new with five-year warranty, the best motorcycle, if we keep out stuff like the Braff Super, you know, the ridiculously expensive stuff, I can buy pretty much the most expensive motorcycle on the market. That is, for me in my eyes, the coolest motorcycle. And it's still only the price of a 15-year-old Land Rover Defender, even brand new with warranty, modern day reliability. This is why I love biking, because it is cool, accessible transport for the masses. I'm talking about the most expensive motorbike I could ever dream of owning. And it's still relatively cheap, relatively, I'm saying, 23,000 pounds. Imagine if you had to go out there and get a car, your dream car, with, forget about money. How much would you be spending for your absolute dream car? I would probably be spending 160,000 pounds or so. And the, the huge, the huge costs to maintain. Cars are more expensive. If the Land Rover goes wrong, for example, I could easily be in with a bill of two grand for the Land Rover. But a modern day bike, modern Indian, it's not really going to cost me that much at all. Right, let's have a look at this. I'm on Autotrader. I've typed Indian and I have typed Springfield. Let's see if there are any that, that really tickle my fancy to get this loan repayment down. Okay, there's a new one for 23,000, that doesn't help me. Only six available. The problem with the Indians, they're rare bikes. I have found one here, one year old one, 
just 408 miles, exactly the spec I like, exactly the bike I like, same model, and it's £20,000. So already there, I've got a discount here. So if I, if I look at my same loan repayment, eight years and 5%, instead of 23,000 and paying 4,800 in interest and paying 289 a month, I'm going to get that down to 20,000. How much of a difference does that make? Well, it brings 290 pounds monthly repayments down to 252. And it takes my interest payments from 4,800 to 4,200. Yeah, it's good, but it's not good enough. Let me try one more search. If I can get something for the 10K mark or so, or around that, that would seriously, seriously change my, uh, my view on potentially getting this. Let me type in vintage dark horse. things come up. Okay, let me just see if there are any normal chiefs that I could get. I mean, if I look at a brand new Indian chief, that's a lovely looking bike. And that's just 16k, relatively speaking cheap, relatively speaking. The cheapest Indian chief that I can find is, is a lovely looking one from 2014, 13,799. Let me do this as one final one. Let's say I can get this for £13,000. So that would take my monthly repayments from 290, 290 all the way down to £163 a month. Now that is much more palatable. And that means instead of paying £4,800 in loan repayments, I'd be paying 2700 So I'd be paying for this eight-year-old Indian chief, which is stunning and pretty much my dream bike, just not absolutely brand new. It's close to my dream bike. Instead of 290 a month, 163 pounds a month. Now that does make a difference and that does make it genuinely tempting. But, but it's not brand new and that brand new one is my dream one. I have to really think very, very hard about this. I'm going to move on now because I've had an email this week from Jock. And this is, very, this is very pertinent and very relevant to what I've just been looking at myself. So I'm going to kind of intertwine the two. Jock, I love this, a Scot who has moved over to New Zealand to live. So, a Scottish expat, I read. Hi, Freddie and Monica, expat Scot living in New Zealand here. I very much enjoy the podcast um, and find it informative. Have you ridden, here we go, let's get to it. Have you ridden either the Honda Monkey or the Honda Grom? It may sound ridiculous, but I'm considering trading in my 2021 Rebel 500, which has been a great bike, and getting a Monkey instead. I commute year-round by motorbike, which is around about 25 kilometers each way. Um, through both urban and semi-rural roads and use it for everything else as well as I do not own a car. The Rebel has been a very reliable bike. I just do not feel 100% comfortable on it. And owning an expensive, for me, motorcycle is a bit more stressful than I'd anticipated. Any insight you have would be greatly appreciated and I look forward um, to hearing from you. Jock, great to hear from you. A Scot in New Zealand, fantastic. I hope you're having an amazing time with your life out there. 
Yeah, I've often considered that, you know, New Zealand or Australia emigrating over. It's a brave move, but it's something that uh, I hugely see the appeal of. It's fantastic. Jock, this is really interesting for me, um, especially as someone who's, whose income often goes up and down um, because I've never had any, I've never been good at my job as an employee. So I've never managed to have a really good career employee-wise. And that means that my, my earnings and salary often go down. And I've had a range of different bikes and cars. And I'll give you an example because I know exactly what you mean with this, Jock. I had a, a Triumph Speed Triple. And I had this at a time that my recruitment company at the time was going very badly and my money was incredibly tight, incredibly tight. And I had this fairly big, thirsty bike, around, value around about £4,000. And it got to a point where I had to actually stop riding it because one thing led to another. It, it broke down, it cost me about £400, or, no, £280, I'll be honest, £280 to fix. And then the problem was I'd lost my storage for the bike, so I had to park it on the street. And someone decided to slash my tyre. And they slashed my tyre. I just had no money at all, really none. And, and I had to get the tyre replaced at a time when I, I think I had disposable income. It was probably something like £120 a week after paying my overheads. And the cost of the tyre was around about £260. And I had to get this replaced, the tyre. The problem is, I just didn't know if someone was going to come along and slash my tyre again. And that was effectively half a month's disposable income gone, just paying for this tyre. So I, I get that. It, it basically, my, my point is, owning this fairly expensive motorbike ended up being a more unpleasant experience because I had gone out of my financial comfort zone and the joy of owning a bike had just waned a bit because the bike I had was a little bit too expensive for me uh, and slightly above my means and that's why you know a lot of people ask Freddie why don't you go and get a, a better bike or a better car because I'm, I'm slightly scared off because I've I've been in that position before of having a, a bike that you know I, I almost feel a bit uncomfortable owning because if anything goes wrong I know I can't repair it. Same when I had my Jaguar XK, exactly the same. It's my dream car but I was living beyond my means and I couldn't afford it anymore and uh, I had to stop riding it because I thought my god if anything goes wrong well, I, I can't fix it and if anyone scratches it or dents it well I've got my dream car but I can't actually repair anything on it if it goes wrong and I ended up actually being a bit stressed owning it. And it's a really hard thing to get the happy medium. I feel right now like I've got the happy medium. I've got a, a cheapish bike. I'd say it's worth about 3K, if that, and a cheap car. Bought it for 2,000 pounds about four years ago. Uh, but I've never been happier because I'm, I have no stress with either of them. So I can ride them or drive them. They can get scratched and biffed up. I don't care and it's stress-free and I don't have any financial worries with them. And that is worth a huge amount. So I 100% I get that. It's a really 
a point close to my heart, actually. I really like this. So you've got a Rebel 500. Well, these are lovely looking bikes, the Rebels. I rate them incredibly highly. And I'm not surprised to hear that you say it's never gone wrong. If I have a look at this jock, the, the Rebel is brand new, around about, do I remember, 6,000 pounds, 6,300 pounds. Um, and the Grom is 3,849 pounds. For me personally, looks-wise, I prefer the look of the Monkey to the Honda Grom. So let's just see if that, that actually costs any more. So Honda, Honda Monkey. You know, these are great little bikes, 125cc. They're going to be ridiculously cheap to main... Oh my God, I'm just looking at the Monkey now. It has to be the Monkey. Now oh, that is a ridiculously good looking bike. Oh, there's something about the monkey. The Grom looks great as well, but the monkey just looks off the scale cool. I'll see if I can find a price for this. So it's a 125cc, it's going to be light, as cheap to maintain as you could ever imagine, and probably as, as reliable as anything else out there on the market. The price of the monkey, it's a little bit more, it's £4,000. But you know, it's going to be easy to park, easy to live with, you know, you can squeeze it into the tiniest spaces. Yeah, I, I get the appeal with that. I would say, Jock, just from the point, just from the point that you're making, that um, you found owning a more expensive bike to, to be a little bit more stressful than you'd anticipated. My personal thoughts, just from my experience, um, and you know, I know the feeling now of, of selling my, my expensive vehicles because I wasn't quite right for me just then. I would say, sell the Rebel. Sell it and you will have just a clear head after that because if you're in a position right now where you're thinking, it's, it's a little bit stressful owning this, this nice new bike. Sell it, get something cheaper, because that weight that will have been lifted off your shoulder from getting something a little cheaper, maybe even a little smaller that you can just, you know, care less, not care less about, but worry less about, it will free you up. You know, a bike should be a, a freedom machine, a tool for freedom. And what comes with that in my mind, it's the financial freedom as well, you know, because a lot of the time we can, the financials can really hold us back and it can stop us from doing things, you know, whether it's travel or, you, you know, whatever it may be, or, you know, starting a little business or something. These financial constraints, restraints can, can stop us being free. And that just slight element of stress that we have every day knowing, Ooh, I've got that monthly payment or, you know, I know I've got something valuable here and I'm a bit worried about it. They can actually stop us doing more stuff and just on a daily basis, just increase the stress by five to 10%. So I would say if you're considering it, Josh, it means, Jock, it means that, um, it means that for me personally, I think you should do it. I think you should sell it. And if I were you, I would look at the Honda Monkey instead of the Grom, just purely from a looks point of view. I also want to share one other thing with you. I haven't checked this for a while, but my feeling is the Honda Monkey will hold its value superbly well. So I think it will hold its better value, value better than the Rebel. And I really don't think you're going to be losing much money on this at all. If I go here, for example, Jock, to just on the Rebel page, it's a lovely looking bike, the Rebel, really nice. 
Honda Monkey 2022. So let's go here, Honda. So I'm on Honda, I'm on Auto Trader now. Honda Monkey, and let's type that. Let's see what the prices are like now. I mean, here we go, you know, you can get a Honda Monkey, three-year-old one, 6,000 miles on the clock. Lovely looking one in red, red and white tank. Under 3,000 pounds now. So you can get a Honda Monkey for 2,999. Let's say you can squeeze that down a bit. 2,800 pounds or so. And I don't think it'd be possible to have any more fun on a bike than that. Some of the most fun I've ever had on a bike has been with a Honda Monkey. I want to do one final search for you, Jock. Just to have a look. Um, if, if there's anything else that comes in at... Let's say, I can see that you like the classic style bikes. So I'm going to see if there's anything that comes in under about three and a half thousand pounds that may be relevant for you. So I'm clicking on any bike model. I'm going to do CC as a minimum, just see if there's anything, let's say 400 CC plus, because there's nothing else cooler at 125 CC, unless you look at the Honda, the Honda Cub, but for me, the, the Monkey, if you've got your heart set on the Monkey, for me, I would probably go with the Monkey as well. It's just, it's, there's nothing like it at all. Okay, right, I'm on to 400cc minimum. Yeah, I, you need it to be reliable. You don't want something you're worrying about. So let's say 2010 onwards, 4,000 pounds minimum. You know, you've got all of the Japanese stuff coming up here, and there's a reason for that. It's all reliable and we'll go on and on. A Suzuki V-Strom, the, the problem is at this price point, you know, at this price point, you're going to be looking at bikes that just don't look as cool. The only other thing I would consider, Jock, have a look, I've, I've just kind of had a, a, a brainwave. Just, just double check and have a look at the, um, the Royal Enfield Meteor, that will come in at about 3,800, 3,900 pounds. You know, the same price, if not 100 pounds cheaper or so than the, than the Honda, the Honda Monkey. Check out, check out the, uh, the Royal Enfield Meteor and also check out the Royal Enfield Classic 350 because they are superb bikes. And you know, these Royal Enfields, the new ones, they're reliable. You know, don't, uh, don't be put off too much about Royal Enfield's old kind of reputation of not being reliable. These are very, very simple little bikes to live with. If I just give you an example here, I'm going on now to Royal Enfield. Let's see what the Meteors are doing. Royal Enfield Meteor, there are 32 of them available. Um, the cheapest now comes in, I mean, they hold their value really well, but you can get a 2022 Meteor with 400 miles on the clock. Nothing at all. Uh, in fact, I've got here one 2022 Meteor from a dealer, 99 miles on the clock, so it's going to have all of its warranty. So that will be stress-free riding for you, and it's 3,200 pounds. 3,200, you're not gonna be worrying about that. And what that will give you, Jock, because it's your only mode of transport, that will allow you to go two up in relative comfort. You can go touring at the weekends. You can put panniers on it, you know, so you do the week shop, put the shopping in the panniers as well. 
that Meteor will give you the extra level of flexibility, especially considering it will be your only mode of transport. I would be seriously looking at one of those as well. £3,200 for an ex-demo bike, just a few months old, you know, 99 miles on the clock. All of the warranty there will be very reliable, really easy bike to live with. I'd say also that will be a good contender and good competition for the Honda Monkey. Right. Good luck, Jock. Let me go. Let me know what you go with. Okay, I'll move on. Two. God, I'm doing pathetically with time here, actually. Okay. Let's see. Now. Can't believe 24 minutes gone already. I'm moving on to Rob from the US. Uh, I, I begin. Buongiorno. And hope all is good. I wanted to pass along a key observation that you called on when recently riding the Moto Guzzi. Listeners should be aware of this uh, if seeking out adventure bikes. Your mention of top heavy is super important as what you experienced on the Guzzi as well as my experiences with the 2021 Tiger. Filling the Tiger's five gallon gas tank plus pillion makes for a bit of a chore at times navigating, especially in slow moving traffic. Conversely, a Harley weighing much more than the Tiger is far easier to control given its much lower down center of gravity. I'd imagine the Bonneville may be fairly similar. While the Tiger is hugely enjoyable for solo riding, that high gas tank and the high pillion seating position is a major detractor in my opinion. Yeah, Rob, I agree with you. This for me is, is a big negative in my eyes with, with a lot of bikes, especially in the adventure bike sector. And you're absolutely right with your observation regarding the Bonneville. The reason I rate the Bonneville more highly than the Interceptor is because the weight on the Bonneville is distributed significantly lower down than the Interceptor. When I put them side by side and I just got off the bike and I lent both of them left and right, even though the Bonneville, I think it may even be six kilos heavier, it felt 60 kilos lighter because the weight was so low down. I can easily ground out the Bonneville if I lean it, lean it on its side and lift it. You know, I can do it all day. On the Interceptor, it's very, very different because the weight's so much higher up. And I remember when I was getting into biking, you know, I thought, oh, well, come on, I, I can't consider buying a Harley Davidson. They're 300 kilos, ridiculous weight. You know, it's, come on, what? It, this is not a motorbike, it's 300 kilos. It's going to be unpleasant maneuvering it, riding around, but no, they're, they're some of the least intimidating bikes I've ridden, the Harley Davidsons, because the weight is so low down, it's completely meaningless. Weight is meaningless. It's where it's situated, which is the scariest. You know, I've, I've ridden and sat on a few adventure bikes. They are intimidating beasts because for one, the seat height is high. You know, on a Harley Davidson, the seat height's so low and the weight's so low. Your, your legs are almost at a right angle when you're sitting on them, completely unintimidating. And it's accessible to all riders. But when you get on some of these big adventure bikes, you know, even, even me, I can be on tiptoes on them with high up weight, add to, a, to that a pillion, where the pillion seat is usually about six centimetres higher than the rider's seat, and you've often got a top box on it, the weight, the position of the weight is ridiculously high. And 
And that makes it really, really intimidating. And a lot of the time, you know, as Rob says, if a bike is intimidating, it actually sometimes would, would just stop you going out to ride it, going out on a casual ride. I remember actually a lot of this when I had my Triumph Speed Triple. You know, it's, it's easy enough to ride, but it's a big intimidating beast, really. And a lot of the time I just want to pootle around town. And that's where the modern classics and the Harley Davidsons, Indians, things like that, that's where they really come into play because they're just lovely, beautiful, easy bikes to live with. You know, whether you're riding two up, fully laden with the panniers, just beautifully easy bikes to ride. And some of these adventure bikes now are getting colossally heavy with the weight situated so high up and the gas tank, the fuel tank. You know, for these long distance bikes, they need to hold a huge amount of fuel. And it is a major detractor because that, again, is a huge amount more weight situated higher up. And when you've got three, two panniers and a back box on the back, gigantic. And I agree, Rob, for me, it's, it's a detractor because when you're going at speed, it's fine. But my Lord, slow maneuvering on these big bikes, seriously tough. I've got one other point from Rob here as well. Um, he just shared something. There's more evidence coming out that the Harley-Davidson Pan America um, 975 is emerging. It will be unveiled possibly very, very soon. And this will be an interesting bike. However, I don't know what it's like, Rob, in the US. Certainly in, in Europe, in the UK, it's, it's not getting the best reputation for reliability. You know, I know it's the first adventure bike Harley-Davidson have ever made, but it's, it's not... It's not having the best initial reaction, actually, over here in Europe. I've just started to hear a few, a few things about, um, you know, the, the Harley-Davidson new range, the new, the new avenue, the new angle they're going down. Um, you know, a few people kind of, a few detractors um, from, from the new range, you know, not quite Harley-Davidson enough. Yes, it's looking for new audience aiming to look for that younger audience. But the problem is if you're looking for a new audience, if you're trying to get into other sectors of the motorcycle industry, there are plenty of other companies that already do that extremely well. There's only one Harley Davidson, and this is no more than mine or kind of me sharing other people's opinions. And I welcome people putting me in my place with this. But Harley-Davidson does Harley-Davidson better than anyone. Harley-Davidson coming along and making cruisers such as the Nightster that looks incredibly similar to the, the Honda Rebel, you know, are, are they losing a bit of that Harley-Davidson-ishness? And when they come out with the Harley-Davidson Pan America, well... I find it hard to believe they're ever going to compete with the big boys already in the market. You know, the BMW GS, no one's ever going to topple the GS, surely. And you've got incredibly stiff, stiff competition from the Triumph Tiger. The KTMs do superb, you know, adventure bikes. Ducati with the Multistrada. So many of these bikes and, you know, I, I do find it hard to believe that Harley-Davidson are going to come along and make a market beater. 
And with the new engine that they've got and coming up with, this, for example, the Knights 975 or 900cc, I forget exactly, I, I, this, for me, it's not going to be a game changer of a bike in the industry. It's not going to change up biking, especially coming in at a high price point. Certainly not going to be getting younger bikers into riding. Absolutely not. It's too expensive for that. Royal Enfields are going to get younger bikers into biking, but a Harley-Davidson Nightster, uh, and for me, it's lost a bit of that classic look. If I look at the price, Harley-Davidson Nightster UK. Let's have a look at UK prices. Okay, it's a 975cc bike. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it is a decent looking bike. It is. But you're looking at, let's have a look. See if I can find this UK price. You're looking at 13,000 pounds. It's a colossal amount of money, really. 13,000 pounds for, you know, for a 900cc cruiser, that is a lot of money, a lot of money. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see Harley-Davidson with their new angle, uh, how, how things go. For me personally, I was talking to someone last week. I think, and this almost sounds a bit old fashioned, but I think Harley-Davidson should stick to what they're doing. And actually, I personally think, I think they should sort their marketing out. I think they should stick with the beautiful, classic, characterful engines, characterful bikes that they've been so famous for making. Not try and get into other sectors because I can't see them changing the industry. I, I really can't in moving into other sectors. But if they stick at what they're good at and improve the marketing, I think they need to appeal to a younger audience with that. I think, you know, the Nightster or... Fine, get a 900cc engined cruiser out. That's brilliant. But do what Royal Enfield are doing. Make it classic. Make it actually appeal to younger audiences. Don't go super modern looking. Make it classic, but make it accessible classic. Keep it extremely simple. Bring it down to a good price point. Really, I mean really a good price point. Is it possible, you know, to make an 800cc Harley come in at under 10k, but the beautiful classic styling where people would really, really want to buy it because it's very, very Harley Davidson. I think Harley have missed a point. I remember they came out with the Street 750, I think they called it. It's wrong with the styling. It's wrong. Harley Davidson, for me, a lot of the time they struggle when they leave their comfort zones. I really think they struggle when they leave their comfort zone. So I think they should just keep things simple. Make a beautiful looking, you know, Harley Davidson sports a bit classically styled. Doesn't need to be this ridiculously quick bike. You know, keep it classically styled. Just sympathetic upgrades to keep it up to speed and improve the marketing, improve who you're getting the bike out to. You know, it may have an, an image, Harley Davidson, of of only being old men in the US riding it or wannabe Hells Angels, but it doesn't have to be. If you get the bike to the right people to promote it and market it and show that, look, you know, I can be a 25-year-old and head off with my friends all on Harley-Davidson's. I, I just do not think they're doing a good enough job from a marketing point of view, Harley-Davidson. Um, and I'll be fascinated to see how things go with a new range of bikes, because for me, uh, I'm, I'm kind of unsure if it will work. Right, I'll end it there. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. Have a fantastic week all, and I'll speak to you all in the next one.